The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Women's Sanctuary, the podcast about tending the soul of women sisterhood, and the rise of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Arlia Hoffman. Welcome back, friends, to part two of my conversation with Julie Greenberg. In part one, she shared the tumultuous relationship with her father, the death of her mother, and then dealing with her father while forging her own life. Julie's quiet honesty and wisdom shine forth as she shares here the decline and death of her father over several years. She comes to deep wisdom and love for him in his passing. And I pray that as you listen, you'll find hope for the gifts available in any grief journey. Enjoy. So let's let's move forward to um, his passing and share what you feel comfortable sharing about briefly about the actual passing and your experiences after that. Sure. Um, so when I guess it's been like it was 2016. So when my dad was 78 years old and retired. Um, without much money at all, like just pretty much scraping by. He, he'd been thinking about this for a long time and, and planning it, but in a very haphazard way. But he packed up basically a backpack and his laptop and I think maybe $60. And he moved to Panama. He didn't know anyone. Wow. Yeah. He moved to Bocas del Toro, Panama. It's not like moving across country to California with your three-year-old. Right. (laughs) Nothing like that, right? Um, Yeah, it was a pretty big, bold move. And that's what he always did. He did big, bold things. Um, So he up and moved his life to Panama, um, basically because he didn't want to continue to participate in um the aspects of life in this country that 
did not align with his values. And he quickly made friends. And he, he my dad was a poet. You've probably read some of his work that I've shared. Um, so he started a Facebook page and would share his poems every day on Facebook and developed a following. Anyway, um, just created this beautiful kind of idyllic life for himself in Panama. And about two years into his time there, he met a woman who found him through his poems on Facebook. And she she was living in Panama City and she um, moved or went to, they went to meet each other. So she traveled to meet him in Bocas. They immediately fell in love and she never left. And within a month of their meeting, they discovered that um, and he he'd had he knew he had prostate cancer before he moved to Panama, but he just basically said it's it's all under control and managed. Um, and I'm fine. So we kind of trusted him mm-hmm. um, and gave him full agency over his life and health. So now it's two years later and this woman is newly in her life and she reaches out to me to say, your father is very sick very sick. Hmm. And that was really hard to hear. Um, But it was somehow really hard to hear from her. I was kind of like, you know, I don't know you. And I had this total block and total resistance to receiving this information from her. And I basically was very arrogant and said, you know, I trust my father to let us know when he needs us to know what's happening with his health and Hmm. well-being. And it was a while, it was a few months later when finally he did say, you know, I'm very sick. Um, and it was just kind of like a wait and see um, kind of what is he going to do? What choices mm-hmm. is he going to make? Is he going to come back to the States? And my brothers and I, none of us were really in a position to kind of take him in or rescue him in any way. And, and also it's just like, it was, it's his life. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short ish, if you can even make a story like this short um, in the fall of 2019, my husband and I traveled to go visit my dad in Panama. Um, and I definitely had a lot of trepidation around like, Oh gosh, you know, this could be the last time I'm going to be with him. How am I around, you know, facing his mortality? How am I, how do I feel within the context of our relationship? Um, how do I want to show up? What are my intentions around showing up for this, this time together? Um, what do I hope to give? What do I hope to receive? And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed a lot about just like wanting to just show up fully grounded in love and compassion and just supporting him, hearing whatever he wanted to share. And and my daughter and her boyfriend were there. Also, they traveled at the same time. So that was really lovely. Um, there were some challenging I guess, energetic dynamics around this woman that my father was in relationship with. 
Um, so that kind of skewed the dynamics somewhat around all of our experience of being with him because there was this element of kind of having to manage her in a way um, as well as manage our reactivity to her. Mm-hmm. Um, that really just, I think, interfered with my intentions of being able to just show up fully in love and compassion with him. And um, there, there came a point where against my better judgment, I agreed that my husband and I would stay together with them in her apartment in Panama city for the last, the final three nights of our stay, even though I, I was adamant prior to the trip, like we're going to make our own arrangements. We're going to take care of our own accommodations. Um, And he was insistent that he wanted to book a hotel for us and he did, and it was really not suitable. And so there was just drama around the fact that we we needed to make some changes and make sure to get our needs met mm-hmm. during our time there. Um, and during those last three, or really the first of the those last three nights that we had agreed to stay with them against my better judgment, I just got really, really triggered, like massively triggered. Um, And felt, I felt like a caged animal. Mm. I felt really mm, suffocated and like I just couldn't breathe. And I, there was like, I couldn't even mm, make sense of it. I just knew like, got to go, got to get out of here. Um, And so when I told my dad that, we were going to go stay someplace else and that we would love to spend our days together and visit and have meals. But I, we just needed our own personal space. He was livid, furious. Um, so here's my dad, you know, in his final, however long, I guess we still had another year and a half, but we didn't know that then. Um, mm-hmm. He was raging at me, Arlia, like the kind of rage that I would see when I was a little girl flipping out and literally said to me if you leave here I'm done with you and I left and walking down the road as we were walking to our uber in Panama my husband said to me I finally seen your father's true colors Mm. Now, now I know, now I understand. I've seen firsthand what you've been trying to tell me about your relationship all of these years and how it has impacted you. Because it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying to be in the presence of that kind of uncontrollable rage. It was terrifying to walk away. Yeah. But I couldn't not walk away. And so we did I, end up. I just having- want to pause there. Sure. I couldn't not walk away. Even even in the midst of that trauma, you knew. You knew what you had to do. And really, ultimately, what I've come to understand about that moment is that that was me giving him a gift. It took me some time to come to that conclusion. It felt like me saving myself, which Mm -hmm. it was. 
but it was also me saying, I don't know when or if I'm going to see you again, but when your time comes to take your last breath, you can die knowing that your one daughter is a powerful badass. Yeah. She can take care of herself. Yeah. And she knows how. Yeah. And I think ultimately how that played out is I came home from that trip. I contacted my therapist that had been my therapist on and off for over 30 years, resumed work with her, and really kind of unpacked a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. around my dad. And when it came time for him to come home, which was a whole ordeal, as you can imagine. Um, I feel like we were able to have a really, really beautiful, peaceful, loving time together. It was very soft. What do you um, attribute that to? Is it just that, was he different? Were you different? Probably both. Um, but I really feel like that piece of me really firmly standing my ground and just saying, I love you and you do not get to bully me anymore mm-hmm. was um, like that line in the sand for both of us that just was like, you know, this, this is what we're here for. Like, I know that in your heart of hearts and in your deepest place of knowing and wisdom, you know that I get to be my own person mm-hmm. and that you have to let go of the reins. And I'm, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to do that for both of us. Yeah. So walk us through how you were after he passed. You know, it's like it was, um, it was very different from when my mom passed. It was just, um, this, this time of softening. Like there was just Mm -hmm. such a sense of softness and peace and acceptance. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like, he was so, clear and definitive about what he wanted his end of life to look like. And he would just kind of like drill that into our heads. We would have family zooms and, you know, he was like, when I die, I want to come back. I'm going to come back as a willow tree, a weeping willow tree. And we were like, okay, dad, that's really nice and poetic. What, you know, what are we supposed to do with that? He's like, you're going to bury me wrapped in this shroud that I'm ordering. Um, and you're going to throw flower petals into the grave on top of me and handfuls of dirt. And you're going to cover me with dirt and you're going to plant a willow, willow tree, a willow mm. tree. And so we, you know, researched and we found this green cemetery um, within an hour of where I live. Um and we just made all of the arrangements per his instructions. Um, and it all just kind of like flowed seamlessly. 
Um, and so I think, and you know, and the way that he died was so peaceful, like he just slipped away quietly during this five minute window when nobody was in the room with him, which As it the, happens frequently. Yeah, the hospice, um, you know, bereavement counselor, I think advised us that that's very common, that sometimes the dying person will just kind of wait until a moment when nobody's present and just slip away. And so that's what happened, which was really lovely because he had the wish also of um, being given the medication that is associated with the whole death with dignity process. So we had that all in place for him, but because of the legal requirements we had to wait until a, a certain day which was mm. like maybe two i don't remember exactly how many days but a handful of days out from when he did take his final breath and it was a little bit stressful at the time because part of the requirements were that the hospice caregivers could not be in the in the room with him while he was taking the medication they could not administer it he needed to be able to self-administer, which mm. he was not going to be capable of doing. So there was a little bit of tricky, like, how's this going to work? We just yeah. don't know. Um, and then he slipped away peacefully, so it became a non-issue. Um, but really, just the time we had together, the two final weeks while he was back here in Maine, everyone was here. There was, you know laughter and storytelling and sharing of memories while he was progressively slipping away and also like um what's the word i want to he was becoming less and less lucid he was mm -hmm. definitely in this like transitory other realm yeah which was pretty beautiful to watch to witness um feel like I got a little bit off track there as far as your question. Okay. Well, you know, let's, let's talk about what it's, what has been your, your process since he's gone? Um, you know, really, I just, I feel very deeply connected with him. I, I feel held. And I think that that's a consistent, a consistency, but with, um, surrounding the loss of both my parents is just, um, this sense of well liberation from all of the energy that comes with um the, that weight of feeling like we're bumping up against their disapproval mm -hmm. right just goes away and i feel only held and only supported and only unconditionally loved and cheered on um trying to remember there was something you shared um when you were speaking about that resistance piece and i feel like um when when our parents transition it's like the resistance goes away like we just um no longer have to fight that inner battle. It's like, the, yeah, or, or external battle. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. I have 
in the years since my father's passing, I had a, a similar experience with him. Um, my parents were, um, well, they divorced in their 60s. And I was pretty well estranged from him from the time after they divorced. Um, spoke to him, saw him a couple of times, spoke to him a number of times. But um, he had dementia. And so his personality was changing. Um, but in his final days, his his partner called and said, you know, it's time. And I had a similar experience with him that you did when um, I went to say goodbye. He was, he was, I'll say, transfigured. He was a different person. He was just pure. He was mm, somewhat lucid, but um, he knew who I was. And um, it was extraordinary. It's extraordinary to see the ego fall away and see the purity of who they were underneath. That was very healing. Um, He was a musician and very judgmental, and I never felt safe performing in front of him, but I sang to him. And for the first time ever, I um, under I oh I I saw the color of his eyes because we had never been close enough that we would you know look into each other's eyes, and I realized until he until his deathbed I didn't know my father's eyes were blue. So it, it's a it was you know a gift as as it sounds like maybe yours was too those final days of peace. And um, a, a shifting of the of the energy into just you know pure love. Yeah. So I, I wanted to share that, but I also wanted to share that um, the similarity, the similar experience that you have of um, that pure unconditional love once they're gone. And for, you know, at first I was like, well, that's just wishful thinking, right? Like, we're just going to sweep all the hard times under the rug and I'm just going to feel good because he was like he was as if pretending he was perfect or she was perfect. It's like, well, no, that's not it. But I've come to understand that or to believe, understand in my own, in my own paradigm that I, that I feel like they are they are still connected to us because of the love. I mean, that's the real I don't want to say cord, but the 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 positive cord that connects us. And I believe in some way we can feel them because they have entered the realm of pure consciousness, that we are now connected to that pure consciousness and love. As, as an ancestor. And when I began to, to understand that, like, okay, so it's, it's not that I am whitewashing my experience with either of them, but I can transform my relationship with them now based on where they are now in the, in the eternal pure consciousness realm 
Well, and to me, I think as I'm hearing you share this, like the idea of pure consciousness realm. Tell me if this feels right and true for you. Feels like ultimate truth, divine truth. Yes. And like, I think we go through life, like so much of the fears we encounter and resistance we bump up against is a response to a reaction to um, this yearning to come back to a sense of our highest truth, our highest Mm -hmm. sense of knowing and our most aligned self, like the self that we came into this life to be that we get kind of like distracted from or taken off course from being and so the sense that we are we now have this um greater sense of awareness of this cord like you were mentioning that that allows us to feel connected with that realm of higher consciousness in terms of how we relate with our parents now with where they are now yeah so it sounds like you're saying our higher consciousness is connected to their higher consciousness because the 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 3d realms of ego and is is not in play anymore so all that there is is the truth and knowing yeah. of pure consciousness and pure love you know as you move forward after his passing and and your your understanding grows well where where is your understanding now of your relationship with him and what what are the what are the pieces of wisdom that you're you're finding through this process? I feel like that's tricky to kind of like pare down. Um, I just feel really um, I feel mostly peaceful and I just feel really proud Mm. Um, proud of what proud of who I am because of who he was and how in spite of the hard you know challenging aspects of our relationship um how he just inspired me in so many ways um to be my authentic self as much as he resisted my authentic self, you know, because sometimes who I am could be challenging for him because it awakened maybe his fears, right. Mm-hmm. Of what might or might not be for me or what he wished for, for me and, and his not being able to separate, let me be an autonomous self. Um, but I just, there's not a day that goes by that I don't feel um, a sense of connection with the parts of me that are who and what they are um, because of who he was and how he influenced me. And I feel really grateful and proud of those parts. That is, uh, that is beautiful. That's one of the places I, I resonate with um he was my father was also brilliant 
And I don't, well, it was also, I had a lot of work around how my mother viewed him. And so through that lens, it was, it took me years to really separate her lens and say, okay, that's how she sees it. What do I see? Mm -hmm. And to come to that place where after he passed and then subsequently after she passed to truly appreciate who he was and his gifts and his brilliance and to be able to just appreciate that and not color it with, yeah, but he was blah, 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 you know, because, because a lot of those gifts were passed to me. And I think the other, well, one, yeah, one of my other personal realizations was how successful he was just because he lived his dreams out. Not because he reached a certain level of success that my mother thought he should have or anybody else thought he should have, but that he continually listened and followed his, well, he would say God, his 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 own guidance or his higher guidance to this is what you do next. And Did he continue to walk a path of uh, like a spiritually guided path? He, he, he did. It was, it evolved. He was in very much in a boxed himself into most of my life into one, into one identity. Um, But in his, in the last 20 years of his life, he really did uh, 15, 15. He, uh, he did stretch and expand and soften into his, in fact, (laughs) yeah. In fact, he would say, um, trying to remember what he told me oh he talked about just being having the right just just be happy and um following your dreams whatever that meant i mean there were some of the things he said to me in the last few years i'm like who are you (laughs) because they were they were so they were almost uh so enlightened even though he was still kind of his same person but he was happy um, and to see him happy made me question what I had been told my whole life about who they were and and who who he was and who she was. So, it, you know, it was a process of of peeling off the stories around him, and then after he passed, really claiming those gifts of who he was, but also who I am because of him there was a lot of judgment around who he was and because it was all lumped in together with the bad things he did so therefore everything about him was bad and therefore if i inherited qualities of his which i did it felt like they were bad qualities and so to be able to peel off all of that those belief systems and say yeah he gave me gifts and they are beautiful and he he used them to his best advantage while he was alive. And so, and I can use them now. And so I'm connecting with you in the sense that um, of the two parents, I feel him most strongly. It's interesting that you say that because um, as I'm sure that you've also already, you know, gleaned from some of the writing that I share, you know, so for so much of my 
adulthood and coming of age as I was raising a tiny human. Um, I so I identified so strongly. So much a bit of part of my story was defined, shaped, and defined by the fact that I'd lost my mother so early, and mm-hmm. here I was bumbling through life, being trying to figure out how to be a mother without a mother and without having the experience of of the benefit of feeling mothered by my yeah. mother, and I felt mothered in other ways by many other people. Um, so that was just such a big part of my story for so long. And I can't say that I feel one or the other of them with me more. I feel them both so strongly always, but just so differently. Um, and it's been so long since I lost my mom and I didn't have the benefit of like having an adult relationship with her. So Mm -hmm. I feel like in a way I don't, I didn't know her. I don't know her. What I know is the way I continue to feel loved, upheld, supported, validated daily by her. Um, But I feel that in a way more so with my dad because Mm -hmm. we had the, the years to develop a relationship for you know, in spite of how hard it was at times. And as you were sharing about sort of your takeaways and feelings of the ways that who you are and how you feel influenced by your dad, I'm just reminded of how my dad, would, if I would reach out to him for support or wise counsel when I was going through a challenging time or conflict with someone close, um, He would always remind me that it's important for my own growth and healing to try to see the other person in light of their best qualities, highest Mm. attributes, rather than just focusing on their flaws or shortcomings or this one specific insult or injury. Mm -hmm. And so that I feel like just has helped me to expand as a being, um, you know, I remember my stepmother used to talk to me a lot about the importance of being compassionate towards others and the importance of having gratitude. And in the years when I was sort of in the the deep, deep end of struggle and strife as a single mom and, and really kind of identifying with my victimhood story, I was just kind of like you know, it was kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I can't hear that noise right now. I don't understand how I'm supposed to find compassion or gratitude when I'm in yeah. the midst of what I'm in the midst of. But then, you know, as the years went on, I was able to like expand more fully into finding that capacity and creating space for really feeling what it means to to have compassion for others and find gratitude. But I almost feel like more than having somebody say those words to me, it's important to be grateful. It's important to have compassion for others. I had to learn it through living it and Mm -hmm. feeling it. And um, I feel like it was more impactful. My dad's words were more impactful when he would say, try to focus on other people's higher highest good and qualities rather than their flaws and shortcomings 
that just made it easier for me to almost like touch grace in that way that allowed me to like genuinely feel into and expand into what gratitude means and feels like and what compassion means and feels like. And so that has really been a guiding force. And then also similar, but different just in the, in his later years, I remember him saying to me, I never worry and I never hurry. And I was like, I'm not, I'm going to adopt that dad. That's good. Um, And that, that really does inform how I move through life. I really love that. Never hurry and never worry. I have a couple of thoughts on that. Um, Carolyn Mace talks about imagining the people in front of her, particularly those with whom she has conflict wearing a nun's habit or a priest Mm -hmm. collar so that because she had a Catholic upbringing so that it, it immediately brings to her mind their their you know inner spirit their um the respect for them as a human being and as somebody you know of god it's beautiful you mentioned grace how do you how do you define grace so funny that you asked this because i was just thinking about it earlier um several years ago somebody invited me to share a recorded offering about my thoughts on grace, because Mm -hmm. I often talk about this idea of space for grace. And that's um, a little phrase that kind of dropped into my consciousness. Oh, probably 15 or so years ago, during a weekend when my daughter was away with her dad, and I had unscheduled time. And there was this sense of like, Oh, I, maybe I should be, or I could be doing or going or da, 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 da. But what I really need, and I tune into like my deepest place of knowing in my body and in my being, I just need rest. I just need stillness. I just need space for grace. Just need to allow myself to be, um, and to, to be and to feel and to be with what I feel, right? And I think so often we're just caught in this spin cycle of life of go, 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 do, 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 produce, achieve. And that's all outside of our being. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm reminded also of actually when I was about 15, saying to my mom one day, I was like, mom, I've got it. I figured it out. I'm a beer, not a doer. And I thought it was really clever because B beer, B-E-E-R, was like the word beer. And so at oh. 15, I was kind of like, thought I was so witty and clever. And she just kind of looked at me like, yeah, it's, she was not impressed. But it really stayed with me because so much of who I am is um, rooted in my beingness and just mm. staying with and returning to and finding stillness. Um, I really, really savor stillness and solitude and, and quiet. Um, and so for me, that 
you know, the more I've come to understand that about myself, that that's what I need to feel balanced and grounded and connected with self. Um, I've actively, I don't want to say worked. I've, I've just actively made choices progressively throughout the years that have allowed me to cultivate this, this way of life that affords me a lot of spaciousness, mm-hmm. um, which enables me to be with my feelings, be with my experience and, and write about it and tune in, listen, um, and, and try to progressively let fall away the parts of myself or parts of my story that no longer fit or serve or feel burdensome. And um, I guess that's one way of explaining what grace feels like for me is just a returning to and staying present with just what is beautiful is there anything else you'd like to share particularly about your relationship with your father just i just feel really blessed um i feel like I know enough to know that I couldn't be who I am without some of the hurdles and upheaval and angst that I've had to kind of wade through and muddle through surrounding my relationship with him. Um, But he was just a really, he was a big, big spirit. is a big, big spirit, um, wise and beautiful, just really, he was just a really good, kind man, flawed, imperfect human. Um, but I really feel like I love that until the very end, he really still held close and stayed connected with the wide-eyed wonder of his childlike nature mm-hmm. until the very end. And I, I think that's a really unique and beautiful quality about him. I can see a lot of those qualities you mentioned in you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing about him. Thank you for asking. Thank you for the invitation. Before we go, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the work you do now so that people they have they have a glimpse into your personal life, but I'd love to hear about the yeah, the work you do through um nourish, nurture, nest. I love sure. the um the melding of all of your your areas into one offering. Thank you. Say more about that. Um, So it's interesting. The name Nourish, Nurture, Nest kind of like fell into my consciousness again, like a knowing. Um, I just sometimes hear things and I'm like, that 
that stays, you know, that's, that's who I am. Um, and it goes back as far as like when you and I originally connected. Um, so yeah, just, uh, I was having a conversation with somebody about the way in which I see myself moving forward in my life. And, um, I didn't know exactly how that was all going to unfold, but without going through that whole process here, here we are. Um, and then similarly, uh, I remember in the fall of 2017, I was returning from a walk in the woods. We have this beautiful, um, nature preserve right across from our home. And, um, at the end of this walk, I just kind of put my hands up or my arms out. Like I often do when I'm walking, I just pray with my arms outstretched and hands kind of open to receiving and my heart lifted and open to receiving. And I just asked spirit, what would you have me do? How would you have me serve? And I heard the words, you are to live and breathe and fully embody all of what nourish nurture nest mm. is and means for you just be be your work be your service and really progressively since then that has been what's happening and just kind of leaning into trusting and following the little sort of spiritual breadcrumbs for clarity and um, direction around how that unfolds. So what it looks like is, um, I do some meal planning and preparation for private clients. I do some nutritional coaching or consulting, um, here and there. And I do some one-on-one -on -one work with women, um, re that really looks like just Mostly, I shouldn't say just, it looks like holding space for whatever is moving through them and asking to be seen and felt and heard and honored uh, and nurtured. Mm -hmm. um, in And then exploring ways that uh, surrounding whatever is coming forward, they can look at integrating new ways of responding to and um, relating to their feelings, their stories, and um, incorporating practices, tools. So oftentimes it's just like inviting in some breath work, um, looking at just creating space in your daily, daily movement of life to just stop and be with your breath. Um, and then, you know, we, we explore nutrition, if that is what is asked for or resonant for, for someone, um, just looking at ways to cultivate a greater sense of balance and alignment to return to a sense of wholeness, um, I love that. That's beautiful. And it sounds so nourishing and supportive. I can't imagine that somebody wouldn't just be jumping on that for that type of support and being held and 
finding all the places in their life they can nourish themselves. Yeah. Sometimes it also looks like spending time with women locally or sometimes even virtually in their homes um, to -hmm. just kind of hold their hand through the process of sorting, culling, decluttering, organizing, creating functional spaces that support the way they want to feel. So it's like, let's kind of clear away. I sometimes say, let's clear away the cobwebs so you can let more light in. And when we let more light in, we're able to tap into and see and feel what's there and asking to make the space for grace. Exactly. So really all of my practices and all of my work come back to that. So that's really that energy of creating space for grace is really like breathed into all of the ways I support clients, whether it's with food or decluttering or just again, just uh, not just space holding. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. Thank you so much. It's a that's a real blessing for anyone. So for someone who feels called to learn more about what you do, how can they follow you or reach out to you? Um, you can find me on Facebook, just Julie Greenberg. Um, on Instagram, I'm I'm not as present on Instagram, but uh, it's mama.jules, J-E-W-E-L-Z-Z. And um, my website is in progress, but not yet fully ready to go but you can always just email me at uh, nourish nurture nest at gmail.com beautiful and stay tuned on facebook for when there's a a website yes coming soon this this has been a beautiful conversation thank you for joining me it's been a pleasure i really appreciate you inviting me to be with you here absolutely thank you Thank you, everyone, for being here with this conversation with Julie and I. Um, We will be back again with another conversation. If you you like these podcasts, please like and share, subscribe. Feel free to leave a comment or a review. Um, If you you have a show idea or want to chat with me, just reach out on the website, thewomensanctuary.com, and I'd be happy to chat and would love to hear your ideas, especially if you have any feedback on this conversation about fathers and um, the journey with them through life and afterlife. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Arlia Hoffman. We'll see you here again next time on the Women's Sanctuary. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.